Okay, uh, if you would, uh, open your uh, Bibles or your uh, mobile apps to uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4 uh, with me. Uh, for those of you who do not know me, uh, as uh, Jeff said, I'm uh, Stephen uh, Peterson. I'm on the Men's Ministry uh, Committee uh, here at Emmaus. Uh, my wife, uh, Brandy's here. Uh, we've been members here for uh, a few years now. Uh, our uh, two daughters are back in the children's uh, ministry. And uh, tonight, uh, my uh, goal behind this is to, whoops, I'll dog on it. <laughs> there we go. Okay, stand malfunctions aside. <laughs> All right. Uh, my goal is to admonish you in uh, trusting in uh, God's provision for your life. And uh, more than that even, just to uh, trust Him in general. Uh, my family has had our uh, fair share of uh, turmoil in uh, the last uh, several years. And uh, we've learned of our need to rely on God fully. Uh, for those of you who do not know me, I work for the uh, FAA, so by the very nature of government work, we are prone to having uh, seasons of uh, unrest with, uh, in our uh, daily lives, especially when uh, fiscal issues are revolving around on uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, the shutdown uh, this past uh, winter is uh, one prime example. And uh, in uh, 2013, probably the biggest one was uh, we were hit by the uh, May 20th uh, tornado that uh, I'm sure many of you uh, remember uh, came through and completely devastated uh, areas uh, just a mile away from here. And uh, that's pretty much where we were. We were on the 19th and Santa Fe area just in that Westmore edition. We were midway between the uh, two elementary schools that got hit. And uh, we'll... Lost our house, uh, lost a lot of stuff, but uh, that thing was probably also the biggest blessing that's got in disguise that we've ever experienced. Uh, guys, if uh, you were here for the chili cook-off back in January, you heard uh, my uh, full story on uh, that, and uh, uh, just uh, that particular chapter in our lives. Uh, but what I did not share with you back then was that the tornado wasn't the only uh, major event that uh, we had experienced that year. Uh, there were also budget constraints going on uh, during that year, and uh, I was uh, still considered a temporary employee at the time, so I was under threat of losing my job due, due to the budget cuts. Uh, that uh, got itself uh, resolved. Our uh, director was able to uh, get all of us uh, who were in temporary status converted over to permanent. And uh, a couple months later after that, uh, we ended up uh, going through a uh, partial furlough that lasted for about a week, so uh, some of us had to uh, miss a day or two in there in order for the government to uh, save a little bit of money, and we never got back pay for that one. Uh, but uh, uh, within a month after that is when the tornado uh, rolled through. 
And uh, then I was uh, fully furloughed again uh, that following October, uh, whenever the fiscal year changed over and the government was shut down for two and a half weeks. And during that shutdown is when our second daughter, Lori, was born. And so I was out of work and uh, not, being, not, not knowing if we were gonna be able to start uh, paying on our medical bills on time. Because it wasn't two or three days we were home from the hospital and bills started showing up. But, uh, let's see, lost my place here. <laughs> okay, and uh, again, uh, just the shutdown this last winter, uh, over 30 days, the longest government shutdown ever. As uh, time and time again, we've uh, had uh, the opportunity to put into practice the uh, things that we had learned uh, during that uh, time frame, and uh, despite all of that, uh, we know God has uh, seen us through so we can give him glory. And uh, the passage here in the Philippians uh, that I had you turn to uh, that uh, came to mind to me at the time uh, when we were going through that is uh, verses uh, 6 and 7. It's a passage that I had uh, memorized uh, during, while I was going through a, a discipleship uh, uh, training class uh, with uh, some guys at uh, the church we were uh, attending at the time, and it's uh, one that's uh, stuck with me uh, quite a while. Uh, in fact, I still haven't memorized. But uh, starting in verse 6, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and, and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I want you to keep those uh, two verses in mind as the basis uh, for everything else we're going to go through, in addition to uh, the psalm that uh, Jeff just read, and he is absolutely correct. That is the perfect uh, fit for uh, what I'm going to go over tonight. Uh, okay, but uh, we'll come to back to this in uh, more detail. Uh, first thing I want to focus on is uh, the anxiety portion. Uh, I mean, he starts out being anxious for nothing. Anxiety, fear, fretting, worrying. Uh, Paul instructs us not to do it. And it has that connotation that if we aren't worrying, to not begin. And then if we are worrying, to stop worrying. And uh, it begs the question, what is the root of anxiety and fear? Uh, to cut straight to the point, it's sin. Now, these traits really stem from a lack of trust in God's wisdom and a lack of trust in God's sovereignty. Uh, also, a lack of trust in his power and or a lack of trust in his provision. And in this lack of trust, it's also possible for us to uh, commit blasphemy on top of all of that in uh, one of two ways. Either A, uh, we think God uh, cannot help us, and in doing so, we've created God in our own image that is not the God of Scripture, uh, nor the God that uh, Scripture teaches us about. Or B, we believe that God can and is able to help us, but won't help us or refuses to help us. And with that, we're calling into question God's integrity uh, upon the, the promises that his word declares uh, uh, to us. Um, and, <coughs> uh, we, and if uh, we deny that, we're, we are declaring his integrity and uh, his word to both be lies by our words and our actions and our, or our thoughts and response. 
Uh, so we need to be careful uh, when we're facing situations that can tempt us even to temporarily disbelieve what we know about God uh, through the study of His Word. And uh, that then begs another question, what exactly causes us to lose trust or confidence in God? And Jesus answers for that uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. So uh, turn to Matthew 6 with me. Uh, we'll start in verse 19. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, uh, this passage, uh, just a brief uh, recap, uh, he deals with uh, money, possessions, food, drink, clothing, and even our ambitions uh, in life, all of which are things uh, that the irreligious will strive and seek after in their uh, materialistic lust. But here our Lord confronts us with the questions of, where's our heart? What are you investing your life in? What are your motives? What are our emotions and thought patterns indicative of in regard to what is important to us? Uh, what do you actually plan for versus what do you say you plan for? Uh, what do you think about most versus what you say you, know, you think about most? Uh, are you dwelling more on something or someone than God? So it's with uh, that in mind, uh, Matthew uh, 6, starting verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then... And the light uh, uh, that is in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will it not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day is enough trouble for his own. All right. Uh, starting off in uh, this passage, uh, first one, draw your attention to uh, verse 19 and uh, what Jesus is uh, saying here. 
uh, to help us uh, see what he's talking about. Uh, sometimes it is uh, beneficial to go over uh, what he's not talking about or uh, kind of what Owen's been using lately, the opposite method. What's the opposite of what he's talking about? Uh, so is he banning worldly possessions here? Answer, no. Uh, nowhere in Scripture does it forbid private property, uh, nor uh, does it uh, forbid uh, saving for the uh, proverbial rainy day. On the contrary, in Proverbs 6, uh, the sluggard is even uh, given instruction uh, to go learn from uh, the ant. Uh, starting in verse 6 in Proverbs 6, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. The ant is an example of diligence in planning and serves as a rebuke to the sluggard who refuses to get up and work. Jesus also is uh, not saying we have to despise the things we are given. Uh, we're told in James uh, 1.17 uh, that every good and perfect gift is from above. In 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, uh, we're reminded that everything God created is good and we should not reject anything and we are to receive what is given to us with gratitude. So what, Jesus, or what is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't stockpile for the sake of stockpiling, uh, to paraphrase it. He's uh, condemning a selfish accumulation of wealth, extravagant living, uh, a hard-heartedness which turns away those in need, and a materialism that ties us to this world and not uh, him and his father. In other words, he's condemning covetousness. Uh, like any sin, it all begins with our attitude toward the idea, and then eventually that will lead to the physical commission of it. Money itself, as we know, is not evil, uh, but it's the love of money that leads, uh, or that is the root of all evil. And covetousness is the sin that Paul uh, confessed to in uh, Romans chapter 7, uh, like uh, many of the other Pharisees. Uh, he was guilty of it, and uh, they were guilty of it. Uh, the Pharisees at that time were even walking poster children for covetous hearts. Uh, they had manipulated their religious system to the point uh, where they'd uh, profit on just about everything that they did in the temple. And anything that was uh, related to their uh, system of uh, worship. Uh, they'd set up the money changing uh, tables uh, during the feast times. Uh, Jesus accused them another time of uh, devouring widows' houses. I think that's Matthew chapter 23, if someone wants to check me on that. Uh, it was likely built on a misrepresentation that they had of uh, Deuteronomy uh, 28, uh, where God, uh, before allowing uh, the nation of Israel to cross the Jordan into the land, he basically tells them, if you obey me and do what I tell you, I'm going to bless you. And if you don't obey me and do what I tell you, I'm going to curse you and I'm going to uh, remove you from, uh, from there. And so under that, they concluded that poor people were being disobedient and were living in conditions that they deserved under God's curse. And likewise, they also believed that if you had material wealth and possessions, that God was pleased with you and had blessed you. And personally, I think they had to twist the scripture uh, to come up with uh, that in order to justify their own wicked hearts. Uh, they sought ways to obtain the benefits of obedience without really having to obey the full intent of the law. In the end, though, uh, their endeavors were futile because he who dies with the most toys is still dead. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> 
Uh, earthly treasures uh, will uh, corrupt our hearts. Uh, they will either, and uh, they uh, will corrupt uh, themselves also. Nothing in this world is going to be permanent. Uh, they'll either fall apart or be devalued by economic hardships, or uh, they will uh, be stolen by someone and uh, we lose out on it. Uh, earthly treasures will uh, blind our spiritual vision and they'll draw us away from serving God. In Luke 12, we're given the parable of the rich fool uh, who had uh, many crops, so he decided to tear his current barns down in order to build bigger ones to store up everything he's got. Then he congratulates himself uh, in doing so, uh, telling himself, soul, you have uh, many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. Then God responds to him, you fool. This very night your soul is going to be required of you. Uh, John Calvin, along these lines, is quoted as uh, saying, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. Therefore, we should not worry about material wealth and resources. Instead, we need to lay up treasures in heaven, treasures that cannot be stolen, nor uh, will they be destroyed over time. We need to have a heart more akin to that of Job uh, when he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. All right, moving on to verse 22. Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Uh, we need to be watchful and uh, considerate of the things that we consume with our eyes and how much of uh, those things we do consume. Any er entertainment you watch can be cause for stumbling. It can be anything from sporting events to certain concert venues uh, or acts uh, that you might go to see in concert. It could be what you watch on TV. Uh, I know primetime isn't uh, quite what it used to be on uh, traditional networks, and if you have cable or satellite, a lot of that stuff is even worse. Uh, a lot of the new series that are coming out on uh, streaming services like Hulu and Netflix are completely uh, ungodly. In fact, uh, some of them, they even make fun of the Bible. So uh, be careful what, you, uh, what you're watching. Uh, we need to be careful what uh, websites uh, we're looking up on our computers or our phones. And again, we need to be careful what we allow into our mind that are through the gate of our eyes. Uh, you could uh, uh, use the old analogy of garbage in, garbage out to describe it. And that is true to an extent, but it doesn't quite give you the whole picture either. Like with any sin, we have to kill it starting in our hearts. In Jesus' condemnation of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, he says uh, they washed only the outside of the cup and the dish so that they appeared clean on the inside, uh, but the inside was actually full of robbery and self-indulgence. So, uh, of course, he was talking about their hearts and not uh, literal cups and plates, uh, just with the uh, verbiage there. But the underlying key is that the heart is the issue. What we consume with our eyes, and our mind for that matter, is really a litmus test for where our hearts are and what's inside of them. Uh, just as our eyes affect our entire body with uh, where we go while we're walking or uh, driving, and uh, how we uh, do things, so our ambitions uh, and our heart uh, will uh, be uh, directed by 
or sorry, our, our ambitions and where we fix our eyes and hearts uh, will affect our whole lives. Uh, and our spiritual vision needs to be attuned to the things of God in order to avoid this. Uh, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Uh, this verse oftentimes uh, these days gets characterized into kind of a boss-employee relationship, and that is a decent starting place to uh, get you going, but uh, the analogy really breaks down uh, once you get past there, because some people are able to work, or they have to work uh, two or three jobs uh, really just to make ends meet, because they're not able to make enough uh, with uh, their primary job. And I don't think anyone would argue that those people don't serve all those bosses, because they do. Uh, they have to keep their boss happy, otherwise they'd be fired. Uh, but digging into the Greek a little bit, if you uh, look up the word that's uh, translated as uh, master here, uh, it's the word uh, kyrios, uh, which is the word uh, used in Greek for a slave master. Uh, not, not a boss, but an actual owner, someone who owns the slaves. And likewise, uh, the word translated as uh, servant in the English has the same root as uh, the word uh, that we got bond slave from, duoleo. Uh, uh, so the relationship Jesus is uh, really drawing our attention to here is uh, not uh, boss and employee, it's one of slave owner and slave. And this was uh, contrary to what the Pharisees of the day actually taught. Uh, they thought devotion to both God and money was perfectly acceptable and compatible with uh, one another. And again, that really fed into their notion that earthly rich or earthly uh, rich lives were a sign of God's blessing. But we know God will not share his glory uh, with a golden idol, and there's no room for compromising halfway in between. He says we will either serve one or the other. Uh, the question is, which one will you serve? Uh, the answer will be whichever one you love most. Uh, when you settle that in your mind, which one you'll serve, uh, you will cease to worry about the other because you'll have rejected it completely, which brings us to the area of trust. Starting in verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body, as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, uh, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory is clothed uh, like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? I read that again just uh, kind of refreshing in our uh, minds here. And uh, here Jesus reasons with us how worry is really incompatible uh, with the faith that we uh, claim that we're clinging to. And he starts by arguing that life is uh, not more important than food and the body more important than clothing. Our lives and our bodies are two things uh, that we had no part in making and we have no part in uh, sustaining uh, on a large scale. 
it was all God in uh, the creation of us, and he's continuing to sustain us. Uh, our lives are obviously more important than the food and drink that we uh, intake, and our bodies are obviously uh, more important than uh, the clothing that we're wearing. So if God takes care of sustaining our lives and our bodies, can we also not trust him to uh, take care of our daily provision? Along those same lines, uh, we also trust him for our salvation uh, from our sin uh, based on the Beth Durham, uh, uh, death, burial, and uh, resurrection of uh, Jesus. So can't we uh, continue uh, to trust him uh, uh, while we're alive? Uh, John MacArthur puts it this way. Uh, you believe that God can redeem you, that God can save you from sin, break the shackles of Satan, take you from hell to heaven, put you into his kingdom, give you eternal life, but you just don't think he can get you something to wear and eat in the next couple of days. Pretty ridiculous. Uh, Jesus, uh, then in verse 27 and through 30, turns to nature context and reasons with us uh, from that angle. Uh, paraphrasing here, uh, birds don't have jobs, yet God feeds them. Are you worth more than a bird? You can't worry yourself into living longer. In fact, it's more than likely the opposite. Excessive worry can put you into an early grave. God clothes plants uh, with uh, flower petals and uh, feeds countless numbers of birds daily. And yet, uh, we tend to worry and have anxiety because we're trusting uh, often in our sinful desires to supply our basic needs and not in God. And uh, I'll give you some points of application here. First, uh, trusting in God's provision does not mean that we're exempt from earning our own uh, living uh, if we're able to work. Uh, Paul's stance was, if you don't work, you don't eat. Our work is generally the method by which God provides us the necessary means to meet our basic needs. Secondly, we're not exempt from helping others who are in need. And I don't think I need to spend a whole lot of time on that point. Uh, our church is uh, pretty good about uh, actually seeking out needs uh, to uh, reach out and help. Uh, we all have uh, a lot of people here with a gift of uh, service and uh, hospitality. So... All right. Uh, thirdly, uh, this trust also does not exempt us from experiencing trouble. Uh, being free of worry and being free of trouble are uh, two different things. Trouble can be a trigger to worry, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, the grass of the field is still cut down and thrown into the fire uh, to be burned. In another bird illustration in uh, chapter 10 of Matthew, uh, in verse 29, Jesus says, uh, even though the sparrow and being of low monetary value does not fall to the ground dead apart from the Father's knowledge. And right here is where it gets tough to swallow. Nothing will happen to us apart from God's knowledge and his consent. In reading the commentators uh, preparing uh, for this, uh, one uh, drew the parallel here to the book of uh, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk if you grew up Southern Baptist. Uh, Judah, uh, during that time, was in uh, turmoil. The, the Chaldeans were uh, knocking at the gate uh, at the, this point, and uh, he inquires of God, admitting, yes, things are bad here in Judah, but we're still your people. Uh, uh, we know the promises that you've uh, given us in the past. Uh, we know uh, your law is being ignored, justice is being perverted, and the righteous are being persecuted by uh, the wicked who are still here. And basically begging God to do something about it. And God responds, basically telling them, 
you think nah, what you have now is bad, just wait till I'm done. <coughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Right. And he tells them that he's sending a nation that's more vile uh, than uh, they were to punish the wicked who were there. And understandably, uh, uh, Habakkuk is uh, taken aback uh, at God's reply and, uh, and uh, uh, responds to God, uh, leaning more toward uh, the idea of, uh, that's a little more than I was thinking, God, uh, can you back it off a little? <laughs> But uh, by the final chapter of, uh, the, of uh, his uh, uh, prophecy book, he reverses his uh, stance completely uh, and uh, writes a uh, prayer psalm of high praise toward God, uh, reflecting on what God has done in the past and carrying on and hope that he will continue to be faithful in the future. And that's really the right response that uh, we need to carry forward. And that's also what Jesus is commending us to do here in Matthew 6. So, uh, verse 31, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, uh, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. Just like Habakkuk uh, did in response to the Chaldeans coming, uh, we should also seek the kingdom of God above all else. We need not worry about uh, uh, our uh, material needs. He loves us too much uh, to let his people go without, so he will provide uh, what is needed when it is needed without us even asking for it uh, a lot of the time. Because a lot of the time we don't even know what we need to be asking for. And uh, since he has promised us that, he will provide because of his nature. Uh, God doesn't lie. He does not go back on uh, his promises. So with that in mind, why are we all, uh, continually so preoccupied with tomorrow? Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Don't drag it over into today and to give yourself even more to fret about. Instead, we should rejoice because God has his people and will sustain us. All right, uh, turn back now to Philippians 4, and we'll come uh, full circle, basically, to where we started. Uh, backing up a little bit to uh, verse 4. I'll give you all a few seconds. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I think uh, Paul uh, might have had the Sermon on the Mount or uh, Psalm 37 in mind whenever he wrote this uh, passage uh, to the Philippian believers. Bear in mind, uh, Philippi, uh, the church there, was a persecuted church, 
And Paul likely wrote this while he was in prison in Rome the first time. And, and despite uh, those circumstances, he still admonishes them to rejoice and praise God. Instead of being anxious, they needed to pray and pour out their hearts to him uh, with the same connotation of First uh, Peter 5, 7, uh, which uh, tells us to cast uh, all our uh, cares upon him because he cares for us. And uh, the wonderful truth uh, that God's peace will uh, guard them uh, through Jesus uh, will follow if they do. Uh, those items listed in verse 8, they all have uh, the kingdom qualities to them. Paul tells them to dwell on them and to do them, and the God of peace will be with them. Uh, can't get much more uh, clear than that. He, uh, he says, uh, the Lord is near, and the Lord who is near is capable, or is the capable God of Scripture. And if you'll delight yourself in Him and meditate on His Word uh, day, uh, day and night, uh, you will then know... Uh, the God that He is, and you'll know how He acts, and uh, that knowledge of Him will be the source of your own confidence. I'll leave you uh, with this in summary. When calamity happens, don't panic. Take a moment. Calm down. Cease your striving. Focus on God and His Word. Pray. Have a teachable spirit. Seek His kingdom, and dwell on the, dwell on the things that bring Him honor and glory, and He will supply you with what you need in the moment and he will work events to the outcome which will benefit you the most. Not necessarily the outcome you wanted, but the one that will profit you the most spiritually. Trust that he knows best. Uh, final thought here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight.